Well, let me ask you this. Are you afraid of death? No. Why? Again, again, when, when your faith is in an eternal, in eternity, and, and God, only through God's word do I understand that, yeah. that we're created with eternity in our hearts. So, yeah. so ultimately, we're on a pathway that God's created us for. Yeah. You know, if we believe in God, that it's, it's an eternity. And yeah. it's either an eternity with Him, yeah. or it's an eternity not with Him. Yeah. What is the benefit of God's kingdom being in your life? What does it bring for Sean Hart that that you've decided maximizes your life? I think it brings to me a reality of uh, who I am and and a purpose. You know, um, ultimately gives me an an identity that I can stand strong and firm in, um, and that's an identity that's you know that God's created me to be yeah. this person um, and, and to be in relationship with him and with others yeah. um, and and it also uh, allows me to understand why I'm here like you know yeah. I think a lot of a lot of people in life might not even ever ask themselves a the question why am I here yeah. and where am I going we live we live life in the world ultimately like we're physical beings with a spirit yeah but for me I've come to understand I'm a spiritual being yeah. in a body Wow, mate. Hey, welcome. You've just joined A Journey with Bernie. And dear people, you can't believe how excited I am uh, this morning to have our very special guest. It's because in some ways, he became a hero to me. Now, most heroes belong to your boyhood or your childhood But when I say that Sean Hart was a hero to me, I'm talking about when I'm in my 30s and my 40s and I'm following that mighty Brisbane Lions football team that won the AFL premierships in the years 2001, 2 and 3. And Hardy, we went close in four, but Port Adelaide took it away from us. Do you remember the game? I do indeed remember the game. It was uh, a disappointing day, but uh, you do have those days. Did you play in all four premierships? No, I did miss that game, uh, sadly, in 2004 uh, in the preliminary final. Ah, I had right. a car accident that's type right. injury uh, running into one of my teammates, and, yeah. uh, which resulted in some plates in my face and uh, no, right. no game on grand final day, but yeah. uh, it was a bit harder to watch probably because of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually remember that accident very, very well and the disappointment that I felt for you in that you were missing out. But I tell you what I also remember well. Ladies and gentlemen... I'm going to play an audio from a videotape at the end of the 2001 Grand Final. Brisbane beat Essendon, the mighty Bombers. Do you remember the margin? Yeah, 26 points, I believe, again. 26, 27, yeah. And is it true that Lee Matthews, the great coach at half times, just said to you guys, let's see how the opposition can run? Was it run them off their feet in the second half? It was very much a message around that. We were in a, a day of 27-degree heat in Melbourne, yeah. very unusual, yeah. even though it was September. Uh, but we had a Queensland-type day for grand final day, which suited us perfectly, and uh, we knew that we had an enormous running capacity and that by doing that, that we'd really test them. And you, you, Sean Hart, you did run them off the feet because I've seen video footage. But at the end of it, were you as surprised as anybody 
for what was just to be announced, Sean Hart, Norm Smith medalist, best on ground, 2001 grand final. How did you react to that? Yeah, very, very surprised. Again, it was a euphoric, exhilarating feeling, as, as Lee had <laughs> promised it would be if we were able to to get the job done. Uh, but then to have someone whisper in my ear that uh, in a minute's time you'd be announced as the Norm Smith medal winner was uh, yeah, quite shocking in a way because it, it just took me and, and shocked me. Um, and I thought, what what the heck's that? What's going on there? <laughs> um, I had no, no comprehension, no idea, not even thinking about it clearly. And uh, and yet all of a sudden I was faced with this reality that uh, that was about to happen. And uh, despite even thinking that uh, one of my teammates might have set me up, uh, yeah. Mel Michael was a great practical joker, so I thought he might have set me up with something like that. I thought that's not, that's not probable and possible, um, so this must be real. Yeah, yeah. Well, listeners, have a listen to that moment where Sean Hart was announced, Norm Smith medalist, 2001 grand final. The Norm Smith Medal, which of course is awarded to the player Judge Best of Field in the 2001 AFL Grand Final. And the winner of the Norm Smith Medal today is Sean Hart of Brisbane. Oh, that's, that's, oh, I don't know what to say. Everyone who knows me as a Christian, the first person I want to thank is my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. After that... I want to thank my wonderful teammates, the Brisbane Lions Footy Club, and all involved, and my beautiful wife, Linda, and my two boys, Jesse and Ricky, sitting at home. Thanks, guys. Hardy, at the moment that it was announced, honestly, how did you feel in that moment? Well, I think if you watch the video, and I'm sure people probably can on YouTube uh, these days, but still, but if you watched it, you could tell that I was, I took a moment to actually just get up there and, and 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 catch my breath i was still trying to process the reality of that and just how i would respond uh, that so that that moment was again just a in a state of it was from a state of euphoria to a state of shock in a way and yet still in that euphoria but thinking well hang on now i've got a now i've got a change from where i was just celebrating and and hugging and yeah. loving the moment to yeah. actually responding to something of that magnitude in front of you know who knows tens of thousands of people yeah. at the mcg as well yeah. as, as as well as potentially millions around the world who are watching the game so yeah. so a significant moment uh, Bernie. Yeah, yeah you know i'm about to ask a question and 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 sensing your character I, I don't know how authentically you're going to be able to answer this, but I'm going to give it a crack anyway. When I watched the video of that moment when you were announced, I saw your teammates. They, they rushed, but the way they embraced you, to me, was more than a celebration of the award. Uh, there's another scene later on as you're, you're talking in response to having won the award, where it pans to that great man, Michael Voss. <laughs> and Vossy, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but the facial expression that you had was either in awe of the character of Sean Hart, or it was you were wondering about what you might say when you had to hold the Premiership Cup aloft, Michael Voss. I think he was in awe of the character of you. How did you feel your mates saw you? What, what was your impression? Not impression's not the right word, Sean. What was your perception 
of the role that you played, the meaning of Sean Hart to your mates. Do you understand what I'm asking here? Mm. Yeah. I think the best, the best way to answer that question, Bernie, is that uh, you don't really understand how deeply connected you are to people until yeah, they until that. they tell you um yeah. until they share that with you in certain yeah. ways or until certain things happen um that was certainly a significant day but but the reality for me in that is that uh i, I knew that our group was incredibly committed to one another they would oh. do the hard work that other teams wouldn't at a level um for longer yeah. and that's why i'm sure we 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 climbed the mountain three times because we were just prepared to do the hard work for one another yeah. more than others were. But the the reality for me to answer that question in a couple of ways would be that um, in the post-match press conference, I was invited to that being Norms with medalist with Lee Matthews and Michael Voss. And, and, a, and a, 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 a um, journalist asked Lee, you know, were you surprised that Sean Hart won the, the Norms with medal? And his answer just flattened me, you know, just, just in, in enormously uh, flattered me and, and just, you know, and told me a whole lot. He said, you know what, I'm not surprised because he's a wonderful human being. And, you know, that was, wow. his, that was his answer in the press conference and, and, you know, stunning in front of 100 journos in that room there. To me, it's very humbling. But, but again, it's a, that's what people then say, that you recognise the, the impact and the influence you can have on people without realising it, without that statement being, being made. And then in the postscript to my career, really, uh, most of the time, the, the, the most important, favourable things that I'll ever look upon from my career, beyond, um, you know, even above premierships, is the regard people had for what you gave. Yeah. Um, and and, and in, in saying that, uh, multiple players, Jonathan Brown, Michael Voss, have, have shared stages and talked about the you know, the, the, the team players and, yeah. and talked about myself and, yeah. and reflected on the importance of those roles and how yeah. everyone needs to understand that playing for the team is, is, the, is the key to, to success. It's not about me and it's not about my individual success, but ultimately I get that yeah. because I'm committed to the bigger, the bigger picture, to the bigger success. And so in, in hearing that, that's, that's very humbling, but that's the, that's the greatest thing I'll take away from the whole journey yeah. that I've yeah. been part of. Do you know my reference to when the players actually swamped you upon the announcement? Did you feel that they were celebrating something more than the award? Did, did you feel that they were just thrilled for you, the human being? The, 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 that's what I'm alluding to. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. I, I know the scene you're talking about, and I think you're right. I think there's a couple of things potentially that it, it went to someone who would be not recognised as That's even right. being a chance to win that award. And, right. and funny enough, there's a guy, as I ran around the, the Oval yeah. after, it said, thanks very much, just won $2,400. I bet on you, you're 60 <laughs> to 1, second last line of the betting. Hallelujah, he's sort of saying. So, So you know, that, that was the reality of my status yeah. within the grand final of, yeah. you know, 40-odd players, yeah. Yeah. That, that, the, um, that the reality is what I, I wasn't expected to win that. So for them, I thought, I think that they as a collective understood the the commitment as a team player that I had made to the team and they were celebrating even more than myself yeah. the fact that someone had been recognised yeah. because of their contribution over time, let alone just on that one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother Tony was the, was the chairman. I don't think he was the chairman of the Lions at that time. Forgive me, Tony, I may be out of, out of place. I know you were chairman of the Lions for many, many years and a very, very good one at that. But I remember him saying something to the effect of, the reason why the players and, and, and the coaches so valued Sean Hart in the side because they knew that you would sprint 50 metres just in order to put on a shepherd 
maybe not even get an official stat for it, but just so that your teammate could have um, ample opportunity to pick up the the football and get a kick at goal. Uh, My my question is, those what made you do that? Why did why would a Sean Hart do that type of team thing when maybe other players wouldn't it wouldn't even be in their circle to do it? Wouldn't even see it. What made Sean Hart that team player? Yeah, again, I think there's probably a couple of things again I could say there that uh, a key person in my life, Don Easton, his name is a senior pastor of the church I was part of previously. He actually said to me one time, he said, you know what, I think God has created in you something about setting others up for success. That that has been the thing that he had identified in the way I went about my life and my football ultimately. And and that was, again, something that, that I just found great joy in. Um, I found my role within the team and my my desire to give more than get um, as, as the joy of being involved in that and, and performing at my highest level yeah. by by doing things like that, to be honest, yeah. and, and, and leading in that way. You know, leadership looks like a whole lot of things, but sometimes and, and often the best leading, leadership for me, and in, in fact, the the true leadership for me is actually servant leadership, and that and that involves putting aside yourself so that you can set others, others, others up for success in their own life. So that's probably the way I'd I'd initially um, I'd initially reflect on that, and and ultimately I think the great coaching and the team environment that was created the Lions caused us to value the right things. Yeah, yeah, but Sean, the, 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 this whole attitude of servant leadership and and wanting to do those little things for your your teammates. My observation is that's actually translated into your view, your perspective of life. Dig down, dissect it for us. Are there, are there one or two values, are there one or two attributes that contribute towards making the great servant leader? What, what helps one to be that way? How are you got to see life in order to become someone who extracts joy, as you just mentioned before, from serving and adding value to others? Well, I don't know how, how well I can answer that question, Bernie. It's a big question, but I, I, think it is, I think it is an understanding of this life in two different perspectives. And one is that this life is about me and what's in it for me and what I can get out of it and, you know, at, at an extreme and, and it, it, that I'm, I'm on this journey. And so what, what do I want to do? How much money do I want to make? You know, what, what can I get? Basically, whereas whereas there's a there's a perspective that yeah, and a true understanding I think uh, that we need in our life uh, that our heart our heart has to actually devote itself to what can I give you know, who, who can I bless what what's this life about in relationship in community you know it, 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 there's, there's almost for me again I, I I have a belief in my life there's two systems there's there's the world system. Yeah. Uh, which um, offers so much temporarily temporary fixes. Um, we could pursue all sorts of things, identity and purpose in a lot of stuff, but but there's an alternate choice there. And for me, I've chosen the alternate, and that's what I would regard as God's kingdom and, and the reality of 
um, the the really important things in life. You know, sure. one, one of those being love, yeah. which is the essence, the greatest power in the in the in, in greatest force in the universe. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. So that that was going to be my next question. Talk about your your, your definition of God's kingdom. But what I'm interested in, on behalf of our listeners. What is the benefit of God's kingdom being in your life? What does it bring for Sean Hart that, that you've decided maximizes your life? I think it brings to me a reality of uh, who I am and, and a purpose. You know, um, ultimately gives me an, an identity that I can stand strong and firm in. Um, yeah. And that's an identity that's, you know, that God's created me to be yeah. this person um, and, and to be in relationship with him and with others. Yeah. Um, and, and it also uh, allows me to understand why I'm here. Like, you know, yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of people in life might not even ever ask themselves a the question, why am I here yeah. and where am I going yeah. ultimately? And, and, and these are, these are key questions that we need to ask and, and find our own answer to. Yeah. Um, and, and we have the, the freedom to be able to do that ultimately. Yeah. But, but we live this life again, as I said, in a world system that can, you can do a whole lot of things that can provide us with a joy on one day and then absolute um, uh, tragedy and, and despair on other days yeah. and you know and it can be so so hated by people they decide that it's not worth living anymore you know there's, yeah. there's so much involved in the system of this world but we need to actually understand who the who and the and the why i believe and yeah and in doing that we 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 find ourselves at a place where we we do find true joy we do find true peace and true freedom and, and the reality of what i think we're ultimately all searching for oh mate try this one ready here we go what does true joy feel like? <laughs> what what does is true joy a sustainable feeling? Um, how, how not? And don't worry about the how. Just tell us what's the outcome of true joy. The outcome of true joy. I think the outcome of true joy ultimately is that we can journey through this life. Yeah. And, and again, I want to make sure that we understand. I. I, I paint the picture of what I understand and believe and that is that is in, in eternal life I believe in eternal life I believe right, we're, okay. we're created for eternity so again it's a, another conversation another another concept but it, but the reality for me is that uh, no matter the day of our journey yeah of that life yeah. that eternal life that we're on yeah. that we can no matter what the circumstances the conditions the 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 money in our pocket or whatever we've got to spend whatever we can we can find joy yeah. if we know who we are and yeah. the, the true purpose of why we're here. We, yeah, we yeah. can find joy. And even in suffering, funny enough, people yeah. go, that's just silly. But in suffering, if you know that that suffering is for a, a purpose and, yeah. and on, a, on a journey to going somewhere, then you can find true joy in that. Yeah. You know you're resonating with me because um, uh, only earlier this week I, I had the honour, the honour of doing a podcast with the, the beautiful uh, Keith State. And for those that are listen to a journey with Bernie they may have already have had an opportunity to listen to that particular episode and Keith spoke of course about the suffering and the grief that he was experiencing um, given the passing of his 37 year old son uh, no less than around about six seven weeks ago but he he was already starting to identify that the the, the grief was just love turned inside out and upside down and could in fact become a catalyst for Keith himself to discover a greater capacity to love once the grief, dare I say it, 
transforms. I was about to say the word dilute. No, I think it transforms mm. into to, to greater love. Well, let me ask you this. Are you afraid of death? No. Why? Again, again, when, when your faith is in an eternal in eternity, and, and God only through God's word do I understand that yeah. that we're created with eternity in our hearts. So, yeah. so ultimately, we're on a pathway that God's created us for. Yeah. You know, if we believe in God, that it's it's an eternity, and yeah. it's either an eternity with Him, yeah, or it's an eternity not with Him, yeah. Ultimately, and that's the choice, the freedom of choice that we get to make. But there's this freedom about all the answer. To the other question was this freedom about. All of a sudden, if I'm not worrying about how long my life is or what I can do or whatever, yeah. I'm actually then focusing on every day that yeah. I'm, I'm living without the fear of death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because the, if, the fear, if the ultimate fear is death, yeah. take that away all of a sudden by trusting that, yeah. that that's not the end. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're going to live a whole lot freer. Well, but it also, it, it also it, if beyond death, we exist spiritually... <laughs> then it places the onus on the spiritual living here on the planet. <laughs> so our life on the planet is not just physical, mental, emotional. It can take on that whole spiritual dimension, which is perhaps the only part that goes beyond death <laughs> because the body's going to die. The mind's probably going to go with it. Without the mind, there's probably no emotion. <laughs> so the spiritual is the part that we can develop and evolve and grow. And forgive me for saying so, it goes beyond the death. Uh, well said, Bernie. Yeah. Well, well said. That's the reality. That, for me, that's a reality. Yeah. That, uh, that yeah, We have a body. We have a mind. Yeah. You know, they're incredible instruments, as yeah. we've talked about. Yeah. But ultimately, uh, we, live, uh, we live life in the world, ultimately, like we're physical beings with a spirit. Yeah. But for me, I've come to understand I'm a spiritual being yeah. in a body. Wow, mate. If, if we live life because we're living in the world at the moment, searching for all sorts of different things and things we can get, then we're going to live very individually, right? Yeah. But all of a sudden, you're, all of a sudden you have a, a vision of eternity and you think and live in a, with, a, with a mindset and a heart for eternal life. Yeah. Then I believe that transforms community. Yeah. Immediately, it immediately transforms people's thinking of if I'm not thinking so much about myself and, you know, I've got my, ho my hope and my focus on beyond death, yeah. I think we'll live so much differently towards other people as well yeah. instead of towards just ourselves. You know what's fascinating about that for me is, and I have mentioned this to you before in, a, in our little prior, prior catch-up, um, I find it fascinating that, that those who are at the the other end of life, they're closer to passing than being born. You know, I'm talking about 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I find it fascinating how at that tail end of life, I think they're more interested in what community they actually inspired. Of course, the definition of community is family. You know, my, my beautiful parents, it, it, it's such a delight for them. I can feel it every time I go over to, 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 to see them and to be with them. And when the three of us, my brother Tony, my sister Mary Lou and I are there, you know, 58, 61, 64 years of age with our 83 and 90-year-old, aren't we lucky to be all together? But that, that almost is, forgive me, that's like heaven on earth for my mum and dad. You know, it's not as if we're going to talk about Dad's 30 years working with BP Australia. 
It's not as if we're talking about, you know, uh, we don't, sorry, mate, we don't even talk about the 2001 Brisbane Lions grand final win anymore, you know. <laughs> that dominated our life for quite a period of time. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, is they celebrate what really matters to them. And it's not sometimes even by words. It's by the way that my mother picks up the phone. It's by the way that she greets me that I hear it. You know, it's by the I love you's at the end of a, a, end of a phone call that may not have come in earlier years. It comes in so many different forms. It's like as death approaches, we become aware of the, the beauty and the joy that can be extracted from community. Hey, sorry, mate, this podcast is about you, not about me. How am I going? <laughs> no, I like it. Well, ultimately what you're just saying there, though, is, uh, is, is very much, as I know you've already said also, that uh, in, in conversations with me, that is, that, that that means that shouldn't we be living that way all the way throughout life? Shouldn't yeah. we live that way? Why do we wait until we think that death is, is close to yeah. actually live, live with a greater sense of community? I'm not saying everyone does that, yeah. but... But uh, we, we have a choice, as I said at the start. You know, we have a world system that we can live in and, and pursue all sorts of things for ourselves, or, yeah. or we can live at the other extreme and go, you know what, no, this, I want to live on purpose for a higher purpose yeah. uh, and, and a greater cause and, yeah. uh, and make that beyond myself. And, and that's, I think that's been the transformation of my life, Bernie, that yeah. the reality of God, God in my life and, yeah. and knowing the love of God f for me personally, despite my yeah. many, many failings, um, is the catalyst for yeah. for the character that that wants to give more than than take yeah. see I, I don't feel for one moment here that you're you're pressing a case for your god i know that you you love jesus you know very very much um, i do believe that you're you're suggesting to us that faith in an all loving god is a beneficial way to live because you can draw strength from that relationship mm. and from, the, from the, 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 the bond of that belief, you can draw upon that and that can, that can invade your, your spirit. Yeah, yeah. There's a sporting term that, that, that you and I have heard very, very often. It's called, I was in the flow. No? Um, it's an interesting term. I don't know why it's arising for me now, but it's almost to say that in those moments when you're in the flow, is the spiritual dimension actually affecting the physical performance in the sport? Are they, are they, are they related, this concept of in the flow, and somehow the spirit of the individual is allowed to become a part of the performance? You, were you ever in the flow playing footy? Yeah, great great question. I mean, you probably put, got to try and put it into an example, whereby if I made a mistake on a footy field, do, do, does my mind then get involved and start telling me, oh, I'm just, I just can't hit that kick, I just can't take that mark, or oh, my hands don't work, or what, what, you know, what, yeah. what's, the, what's the, the mind saying, and then what are the emotions coming from that, and then what yeah. are the actions? But if then, if then I have a, a, a spiritual capacity to be able to go, to be able to speak something and to say no, that's that's not right. Yeah, I'm going to go back and yeah, I'm going to go back and do that, and I'm not going to fear making a mistake again. I'm just going to go back. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to stay the same. I'm going to state the, the right words to myself in that moment, yeah. so I can get on and play. Because a lot yeah. of stuff in sport is about just how we respond ultimately and, and what we do, what we think. 
you know, again, and so the mind's critically, critically important, but how do we think and then how does that then um, respond into what we do next? Yeah. Um, and and in, if I then put it into a, my own faith in my own life outside of sport, it's a little bit about, okay, so I've got to go and um, speak. I've got a public speaking gig I've got to do somewhere. All of a sudden I've got some fear happening about yeah. delivery of that, which can be um, turning into anxiety and stuff like that. But again, for me, it's about, okay, so God, I'm going to pray, and yeah. and I'm going to then start to understand and believe Your Word and what and and, and Your uh, who I am yeah. in You, um, yeah. and and I'm going to start to uh, dictate the reality of who I am and, and what I'm about to deliver and the value yeah. of that more than I allow myself to go into a place of fear where emotions flow and all of a sudden I'm not in the right space to be able to step into yeah. uh, that room and deliver yeah. uh, what, what God wants me to deliver to that, that yeah. audience. So, are, are, are you saying that because of your faith and you call upon your, your God through the connecting with God through your prayer, right, that you can pray and dilute your fear. You, you, you're saying that, that that faith and belief in your God can dilute your fear and allow you to take on an event like a public speaking event with diluted fear or relatively you're fearless. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you ever lose fear. Yeah. I think we always are going to experience fear and anxiety at some level. Yeah. Uh, all of us on the planet, I yeah. think. Uh, but again, like cancer, sometimes these things are gifts if we see them for the yeah. right thing to be able to then develop our faith and strengthen our faith because yeah. we because we operate in the right thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I I would I'm saying um, I'm saying that the uh, uh, the reality for me is that. Um, as I as I pray to God, yeah. and as I speak His Word into a situation, yeah. right. So, in other words, a word I might speak into a situation is that perfect love yeah. casts out all fear. Yeah. Right. So, if I'm in fear, yeah. I need to come back to the perfect love of God to yeah. know that He He didn't give me that fear, but He He has a solution to the answer to that fear, and that's the perfect love cast it out. So, if I know His perfect love, yeah. I can then stand in my true identity. Yeah. Loved by God, and yeah. and go, you know, well, that's that's who I am, and that's what I, that's who I am stepping into. Yeah, do that thing that that fear just died. And yeah. I, I I tell the story a lot of the time, Bernie, about the fear that overcame me. And this, I'm not sure where this will fit in and, and help, but I'm sure it'll give a little bit of um, story to that whole area. But when we qualified for the 2001 Grand Final, we beat Richmond at the Gabba, and and I got in my car to head back to the Gold Coast on my own, and literally down about Logan on the way home, I had this enormous wave of fear come over me of failure. This was a week out from the grand final, enormous yeah. wave of personal fear and team failure fear as well yeah. come over me on the way back down there. I just, I can't explain it to people, but it was like an attack of fear, ultimately a, par a paralysis of fear of just the possibilities of what might happen that, that week ahead on, on grand final day. Can I ask you, ask you uh, I, I don't, don't want you to stop the story, but I want to ask you this. Did you feel you had played well against Richmond or did you feel that your game was a poor game? No, no, I, th I thought I'd played pretty well through the whole okay, final okay. series. Yep. So you played well and yet still yes. you had this oh, yeah, wave no, of fear. And we won by a lot of, a, lot, a big score. We won by a long way, I reckon. Yeah, I think I remember 70-odd points. Yeah, maybe yeah, even yeah. 90, into wow, the 90s. Wow, yes, wow, wow. a big win. Mate, continue. You're going down the highway, wave of That's fear. That's right. So seven years before that, 
I'd had a mini depression battle right. because fear had overcome me about, it was almost like a fear of loss of my football career and the thing that I'd been building my whole life upon. Wow. Ultimately, that led me ultimately to to search for deeper meaning, deeper deeper purpose and to find, uh, to find Jesus ultimately and to find my faith and put my faith in the right place. But the reality was that I didn't, I didn't didn't work well through that situation. I was in a dark place, tried to hide in my bed for about six weeks and only got out to go to training. No one really knows that, to be honest, too much. Wow. But seven years later, that lesson of how important my faith is yeah. uh, came to me. And, and as I battled with this warring f- fear on me as I was driving home, I realized then in, with my faith that I had to build my whole week on uh, the Word of God, on, on a scripture that would that would speak against the fear and it would actually stare the fear in, in the face and say that, that now that's just, that's just a spirit. Fear is a spirit that's going to come over any of us, but we've got to, we've got to speak to that fear and, and say, you're not, you're not having your way with me yeah. uh, because God says this ultimately. And that's, that's what I did. Yeah. And the scripture was Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I remember that and I meditated on that all yeah. week long and it, yeah. it became so real in my spirit, so yeah. real in my spirit. Yeah. And I, I say to people, I got out on grand final day, again, that Norm Smith medal day, I got out there and I said, I just, oh, I felt, I felt better than I've ever felt before a game in terms yeah. of, um, in terms of readiness for, for a footy game. And it shouldn't have been that way. Yeah. I, yeah, it should have been. Five days earlier, you were crumbling. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, overwhelmed yeah. with fear. But, yeah. but I realised from learning the lesson of the value of my putting my faith in the right place yeah. that that I could always draw on the reality of where I really find out who I am yeah. and where I really can stand firm in that and yeah. and face face my own giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Part of my my role and, and, and part of my joy comes from listening really, really carefully without judgment and 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 trying to simplify it, trying to trying to take what you're saying and, and put it into a a little package where someone goes, Oh, I get it, you know. Um, what I just heard you say is that by Experiencing the fear and then turning to God for an answer to it, God actually helped you redefine the purpose for playing in the grand final. Mm. Instead of this grand final could be an event where I could be exposed, I could make mistakes, I could let my teammates down. Oh my God, what if I got the last kick of the grand final and I miss? All those images that could have crippled you were replaced by a week fostering, not fostering, drawing from that loving relationship. Yes. I just got a feeling you went out there. I reckon you went out there to play for as much. You went out there to play for God. Yes. As much as you did for your teammates. Yes, yes. And you know what? Your teammates knew that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, they that's made well a movie said. about a guy like this. Remember the <laughs> Chariots of Fire? Hey? No, no. You no. do know the Chariots yeah, of Fire. Yeah, I do know it, but it's, oh. yeah, yeah, now, you, now you're getting, now you're getting, uh, now you're going <laughs> I'm drawing a long boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a pretty epic story. That's no, a pretty I epic love story. that story. Of, mm. The story of Eric Little, yes. you know, the, the Scottish uh, 400 metre runner. Yes, yeah, 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 very good story. Yeah. Hey, um, not all your audiences are going to be in that beautiful position whereby they, they can listen to a, a description of the power of faith as a source for great love in their life. I'm, I'm thinking about you know, maybe some of our, our children, some of our kids. You know. 
and yet you really do want to help them to handle the challenges of their teenage lives, um, etc. Like, like if I was to give you right now, you know, two or three boys that were struggling, and we'll come to the girls later, struggling in the game of life, you know, they, they were just off the rails a little bit. I don't even know what that means, by the way. You know? <laughs> um, but just weren't maximising what life could offer at those tender 15, 16, 17 years of age. What are some of the pieces of advising or guidance that you give to such young men in a, in a way that they can digest it and run with it and gain from it? Yeah, well, I think the, the conversation around purpose yeah. and even meaning, you know, is pretty universal. Yeah. I think most people are prepared to have that and actually want to have that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they haven't even gone there. So, you know, yeah. so it's actually quite exhilarating for some young guys to say, yeah, I'd love to talk about that because I've got no idea what it is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's a really easy starting point. Yeah. You know, I, like, I, just, I love to ask people what they, what they do put their faith in, to be honest, because, yeah. you know, because uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, different people put their faith in the things, as I said, the things of the world and in the food yeah. they put in their mouth and the, you know, and the money they've got in their bank and stuff like that and, and the job they do, those sort of things. And, and other people have other reasons. But I think, I think for me it is, again, it is for, if it, I'm just talking about young men and talking to young yeah. men, I, I think for me it is any, any question around identity and purpose and, yeah. uh, and, and why you're here ultimately and, yeah. uh, and, and, what, and what, they've, what they've discovered in that space or, or asking the right questions to help them discover some answers that they might not have yet discovered yeah, about yeah. identity and about purpose. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the, what are some of the secrets of connection? Bernie, the reality for me, you know, I love, I love the, the skill of coaching, the gift of coaching. And, yeah. and why I love that is because it relates so much to actually um, the reality of putting yourself aside so that you can actually think about someone else and, and, and yeah. put someone else over yourself or importance above yourself. And so in other words, the great coaching dynamic for me is the ability to actually ask great open-ended questions yeah. because then you're forced to listen. And yeah. I say force, I love to listen. Yeah. You know, instead of trying to – a lot of people – conversations about what I want to tell you yeah. and let me tell you what my life's like and how great this was and what happened here but I I just rather listen and ask people the right questions yeah. listen to them deeply listen to them and build a great connection because that for me that coaching and being able to ask open-ended questions and listen deeply mm. are the real ways to building deep relationship and uh, it's not not just coaching again that can be done as a parent that mm. can be done as a teacher that can be done as a you know as a um anyone as a as a friend sure. type of thing uh, and i think that's where deep connection comes mm. from and uh, and that's what people you know you know people are looking for that to be honest yeah. people want you to actually have some interest in hearing their story uh, yeah. because i think that says that yeah oh, that's a little little um, evidence that you love them mm. Mm. that it's not about you mm. sean how much has coaching moved from hey here's the skill here's how you kick the football uh that was a really, really poor choice on the football field uh, or on the sporting field. Two, it, it, it's built on a foundation that is essential and that foundation is relationship. Yeah, it, it appears to me that I'm hearing that more and more and more, that great coaches build personal relationship. They're as much interested in the person as they are 
the sport ability or whatever it is they're coaching. Yep. Yep. Does oh. It, it's definitely shifting, and and uh, it makes me think about old school. What we call yeah. old school coaching has always been wrong. Yeah, it's now well, it's now it's the over, it's yeah. now the current coaching is actually more in line with what it should have always been. Yeah, and the greatest example of that again is one of our good friends, Craig McRae at Collingwood. Yeah, you know, again, if we talk about first, second, third dimension, yeah, now they're they're clearly performing better in the first dimension, but yeah. would they be if? Craig McRae hadn't captured the hearts of his players yeah. and their families. Yeah. And again, third dimension sort of coaching. Yeah. Coaching them for identity, coaching them for purpose, the bigger purpose of who we are as a club, yeah. you know, family club, we're together, all of that. And yeah. then and then captured again their their soul, their yeah. their will and their emotions and yeah. all those things. Which ultimately, if you capture someone's will and emotions, that will drive yeah. that will drive their performance. That will yeah. drive their actions. Yeah. Because, as I said before, feelings create emotions and emotions create actions. Yeah. So if you grab a hold of that and you grab their spirit and their soul, all of a sudden the physical part of them is going to be well, well. they're going to be well, and they're going to perform at their best. Yeah, I, yeah. Would have, I would have thought. Yeah. A lot of sport in prior times and still, even junior sport, junior is very sport transactional and yeah. very, very first dimensional focus is very much on the physical thing yeah. and the skill and the tactics and how do we win and did we win yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, did yeah, we win yeah, or yeah, what yeah, you know yeah, and, yeah. and as, if, as if that's the the whole outcome of it all so yeah. so yeah so but it's shifting and yeah. and Craig McCray at Collingwood is a great example of of I, how to how to lead the right way yeah I remember John Buchanan I, I, episode three or four who was the the, the great and I'm, I'm really happy to use that word with with Buck great Australian cricket coach. I mean, his coaching record matches, you know, Phil Jackson of the LA Lakers, <laughs> you know, in terms of percentages of win with the Australian cricket team. And he, he, he once said that great coaches do not inspire anybody. They do not um, move anybody. What they do is they paint pictures of possibilities in players' minds. Maybe it's pre-season, maybe it's during a game, but they paint a picture of possibilities that's so clear that the player themselves gets excited about the picture. The player themselves can see themselves in that picture. They can see themselves what they need to do to make that picture become a reality, and they inspire uh, themselves, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very very well said, yeah. little example working up at uh, Livingston Christian College on the Gold Coast of mm. what you just talked about there and there's a, and didn't even really know any of these girls. I just happened to be there supporting the coach on this day and our coach of the girls were playing against another school and this girl had just done something out of the box. All of a sudden she'd just taken the ball and just sprinted, you know, 15, 20 metres, got away without having to bounce it yeah. and, um, you know, and done something great. So, so send, said to the coach, let's send a message out to that girl and just tell her what she did was exactly who she is as a yeah. as a player. You know that yeah. that thing there. Yeah. All of a sudden, she's doing that time and time again, and just becoming a yeah. terrific little player yeah. because of the reality that um, that yeah, you know, there's there's a recognition and a coaching about painting a picture, like you said. Yeah. That that there that there is what it looks like. Yeah. That there is how you should keep playing. So yeah. be encouraged to do that and 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 get excited about doing that. And she yeah. was so excited she would come off the field after that and go, Oh wow, did you see did you see that? Did you see yeah. that? Did you see that? Yeah. Again, again very very that's but, a very small example of exactly what you're talking about. That's yeah, but what a great message, mate. What mm. a great message, a great reinforcement to a young person 
who ha- having had the experience of what she did. You talk about a picture. There's no, there's no firmer picture than the actual experience. And she can actually relate and say, wow, that is me, not just for this moment. Yes. This can be me continuously. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm even beginning to think how that then would translate possibly into other aspects you know, of, her, of her life. Something so simple Very good. could be something so profound. So profound. Uh, so profound. Hey, Sean, I always promise my listeners that we're, we're going to close this down around the, the one-hour mark. Um, and, and with you, good man, as we do move towards um, finishing the podcast, the, the purpose is how do we become a more loving human being? The, the parallel purpose is, is the foundation of that, is how do we generate greater happiness from within, you know. And, and collectively, what the podcast is trying to achieve is to help people find a little more meaning in their lives. So in a nutshell, good friend, right, how do you generate more constant happiness within Sean Hart? If someone said, Hardy, just love who you are, man. You know, I love the joy that you walk with. And someone said, how? How do you become like that? Give, give us some, nail it for us, punch it out for us. Give us a couple of jabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hope I can. I think I've learned, I think I've really learned, Bernie, that whenever I get focused on myself, I don't end up having the happiness and the joy. Yeah. Ultimately, I, I get a quick fix, but it's not a, it's not a long not a long fix. Yeah. And yet when I'm, when I'm focused on others, wow. which comes from, again, comes from a reality of God, why, why am I here? Yeah. When I'm focused on others yeah. and, and relationship, when I'm focused on that and yeah. that being the, the joy and yeah. you know, the, the whole purpose of yeah. my existence, then, then I find joy in that. And again, it's, not, it's, it's exhausting sometimes with people and, um, yeah. and, and looking after people, depending on what you're actually doing. But, yeah. but that's where I've discovered that the, the true joy is found and real happiness. Happiness is a sort of a bit of a myth, I reckon. Joy, joy is not. Joy is something that's just really deep, mm. but it's relational, and it comes from that. And so, so I, I would say, I would say it has to be has to be in that, um, and and that makes sense to me again because you know again it's 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 about where you put your where you put your hope, or where you put your faith, where you put your purpose that ultimately will determine your level of let's whatever you want to call it, joy or happiness. Mm. It, it'll determine that. But but I'm telling you, you'll get you'll get a quick fix from what you get for yourself, but you'll never get anything like the joy that you get. Um, and probably this is um, this is a bit of a story um, of the Resilience Project. You ever heard of the Resilience oh, well, Project? Yeah. Guess what? Joel State, who who, who passed away recently, and, mm. and uh, as I mentioned, I, I podcasted Dad only a few days ago. Uh, he was a big fan of the Resilience Project, so it's on the radar. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, I mean, he there's a young fella in uh, in India that got discovered and. Uh, uh, they three words, gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness. I'll share those first of all. But this young fella became what this guy, um, uh, Hugh Van Solenberg at the Resilience Project, discovered was the happiest person in the world. <laughs> and yet this guy, 
young fellow, I think he's 12, 13 years of age, and he uh, had no place to really to sleep. There's not enough room in his community, so he would sleep in the gutter and he would have a cardboard box and most of the cardboard would be to cover his body and a bit ripped off would be just for his pillow. So it really wasn't a bed at all. It was just in the gutter outside of the city that he couldn't fit into. Um, and yet he watched this guy for three months just walk around and, and realise this, kid, this kid's the happiest guy I've ever met in my life. Well, how could that be? And he, uh, he found out that he had this enormous gratitude and he, and he found that out because he would go around with this young fellow and he'd go, he'd go, dis, and dis, and he'd point his finger, dis, 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 and he couldn't say this, funny enough. So, but he'd point at things like his shoes, which to you and I would have been in the dump. They were so poor. And yet he'd be so joyful. Mm. So thankful that he had this pair of shoes mm. to get on. And, you know, and then he, in terms of empathy, um, this fellow watched him go around and just give himself to every one of the young kids in the community throughout the day, just constantly give himself and share time with them and relate to them and, and just give, mm. basically. So he, and, and he realised that as he watched that, that this young fellow would get such joy that the, 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 the giving to others produces the joy, produces the actual love drug in our, in our brain, yeah. as you talk about. Yeah. And then the mindfulness is that, is that he was always in the moment, this young guy. Yeah. He was always in the moment, yeah. always present where he was, whether it was with a young person or whatever he was doing, he was always yeah. in the moment. Yeah. So he, he found these three things and he found the yeah. happiest young bloke that he'd ever seen in the world yeah. that shouldn't have been happy at all, sure. according to Western values. Yeah. So but many he, ways to, to show love to people. You're good, you're good, Bernie, very good. Yeah. Oh, Mate, it's hey, 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 buddy. You know what? It's just all part of the journey. Yeah, <laughs> the journey with Bernie, it is. <laughs> mate, talk about good Samaritans. You are, you are one, mate, of my, uh, my, my thrillingness. I don't even know whether that's a word about coming down here to be with you um, was, uh, was alive for many a day when you, you, you said yes. I want to tell the, the listeners in, in finishing that Sean – said to me, yeah, I'll, 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 I think I'm available. And when I inquired as to why he thought he was available, he said that um, his first um, – uh, what's the word, Sean? Your, 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 your first promise was not to me, but you had to check that your wife, Linda, would give you the time to be here. And, mate, these are the simple little acts – that I think demonstrate love in action. You, you know, ultimately, you being here, you made a statement, is not as important as you being there to serve in whatever way Linda may have wanted you to do it. And I think that in itself is, is a message. And it is, if you'll excuse the pun that you've only heard a thousand times, <laughs> that is the heart <laughs> of Sean Hart. Thank you ever so much, mate, for giving up your time. And I tell you what, those lines are looking pretty good for next year. Are you hopeful? I'm very excited, yeah. They, uh, they're in good shape and they're yeah. getting, getting stronger by the look of that group yeah. of six or so. They were parading out the other day, yeah. uh, Dunkley and, and a few of the boys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Do you young, get still get excited by them? Are you still connected yeah, yeah. emotionally a yeah, little bit? Yeah, definitely. Definitely been yeah. up to a couple of couple of great finals they've played in the last few years yeah, but yeah. they've just been a little bit short on the ground I think at times but they, um, they, they're very capable and they've, they've strengthened considerably I would yeah, have thought so. absolutely mm. go the mighty lines yes, go, go the, lines. the mighty mighty Sean Hart I thank you pal for being a part of Journey with Bernie no worries thanks Bernie <laughs> cheers pal bye bye Hey, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. Dear people, I loved it. 
I just love the continuous learning journey that our dear guests offer each and every one of us. Of course, you may be after contact and connection details or references to books or other podcasts or educational sources that we talked about. They're all in the podcast notes. Do go there, folks. Now, there are some of you that have rung me about joining our forthcoming trips to Nepal next year. We're leaving April the 6th and September the 22nd. Imagine you and I walking to Everest Base Camp, even discussing some of the content of these episodes. You do have another opportunity, and that's that beautiful, iconic pathway to Gokyo Lakes via Ronjo Pass or Shola Pass. Imagine being in the presence of the mighty Himalayas. It'd be so great to have you on board. Just give us a call. Plus six one, that's the Australian code, followed by my mobile number, 412-982-444. Why? Because we've just got to embrace this journey called life. Enjoy it, dear people. And just remember... <laughs>